Hey, Juvies listeners, David here. Before we get to this week's episode about Dirty Dancing, I wanted to give you a quick reminder that this podcast has spoilers. So if you still want to see Dirty Dancing and be surprised by all the times Patrick Swayze is not wearing a shirt, then you can go watch it on Amazon Prime and then come back and listen to this podcast. As always, if you have thoughts about this episode or this Juvie or previous episode or Juvie, uh, and you want to tell us, then write to us at juvies at gmail.com. That's juvies, J-E-W-V-I-E-S at gmail.com. It's been a while since we've done a mailbag, so let's get some mail and we can do a mailbag. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Search for us at juvies on any of those platforms, or you could join the juvies congregation group on Facebook, where there's a few other people talking about juvies. And if you like our show, rate us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. And then, you know, we'll start climbing the rankings of the billboard for top Jewish movie podcasts. Um, it's, it's a shame we're not even on that one yet. Finally, and most importantly, our next movie will be announced at some point in the near future. The summer is kind of playing tricks with our schedules and stuff because... You know, there's other stuff to do, and we're allowed to go outside. And Yaakov has been stuck at a theater camp for preteen girls for like uh, the foreseeable future. But, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna do more episodes. In fact, I think we're even gonna have a guest pretty soon. But we just don't know which the movies are. So stay tuned on our social, and you'll find out. And uh, for now, let's talk about Dirty Dancing. I told you I was telling the truth, Daddy. Sorry I lied to you. But you lied too. You told me everyone was alike and deserved a fair break. But you meant everyone who was like you. You told me you wanted me to change the world, make it better. But you meant by becoming a lawyer or an economist and marrying someone from Harvard. I'm not proud of myself, but I'm in this family, too, and you can't keep giving me the silent treatment. There are a lot of things about me that aren't what you thought. But if you love me, you have to love all the things about me. And I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry I let you down. I'm so sorry, Daddy. But you let me down, too. Hello and welcome to The Juvies, a podcast about the portrayal of Jewish people and Judaism in the movies. I'm David Friedman. I'm David Wengro. And I'm Yako Friedman. And this week on The Juvies, we're discussing the 1987 romantic drama dance film, Dirty Dancing, directed by Emile Ardolino and starring Jennifer Grey, Patrick Swayze, Wayne Knight, and Jerry Orbach. I hope Wayne. I hope Wayne Knight is listening, and he was like, "Wow, I, I'm in the top tier of this cast." <laughs> He's third billing, guys. <laughs> as soon as David said that, I said, "Hello, Newman." Yeah. As the, right when I saw him in the movie, he serves such a strange role in this movie, where he just kind of pops in and out every now and then, and you're like, "Is it's kind of like announcing as random crap?" It kind of like as to like set the scene. It's like. Do you know you're on the beach right now? Oh, you Sandy Koufaxes. That's like the first line. I was like, oh, this is a juvie. 
Well, I think he I think he was playing both comic relief and Swayze relief. And both <laughs> of them are important. <laughs> Anyways, the this story, this movie is about camp. So we're in the summertime. People are at camp. We decided to do this because Yaakov is currently at a theater camp. Stuck in his car. Stuck in his car. I am. I found the one quiet place in the whole camp, and that's in the car. And I, I wanted to start with just what's what's your favorite camp memory? I, I don't really have one. I think you, you we had a, a, a an issue that happened at camp. Oh, you're talking about you took a video that was inappropriate and got kicked out. Didn't okay, you, make it, you make it sound like so much. You make it sound so much worse than it is. It sounds like me and you made a film no. that got us kicked out. So an let, let, me, let me clarify. I was not in this film, but Devin made some film. Oh. So when I was when I I didn't do a lot of camp, like especially a lot of sleepaway camps. But when I was Going into maybe senior year of high school, we, both of us, me and you did, we worked at a summer camp in Skokie, and we were junior counselors, and every night we were up to that crazy hijinks, kind of like the hijinks in Dirty Dancing, just absolutely no girls. So, but we we found... Wait, also no Dirty Dancing. I just want (laughs) to clarify that. Well, maybe. (laughs) And I was like the kid who always had a video camera and was videotaping everything, and not only did I, you know, like leave a paper trail about this by videotaping everything we did, <laughs> but I literally put that that footage on the head rabbi's computer. So smart. <laughs> and the night before, so that I could like burn it to a CD or something, because that was a thing. That was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. And then I forgot about it, and I went to sleep, and then the rabbi found it. And he watched it. He watched an hour of me and my friends after hours in high school. It was not. It was not pleasant. I was fired. <laughs> yep. I think that's my so favorite that's camp, camp memory. And that you know what? That's probably my favorite camp memory. <laughs> <laughs> I, well. w- I would have preferred watching your video to Dirty Dancing. Oh my God! Our video was legendary, but it's it really just gone. Was. It's gone. It's gone. They erased it. It was. It was not good. It was not. It was not a good moment in my in my development. Uh, let me just say this: the rabbi was so mad that he used the word "ass." He said that I was an ass. If a rabbi is swearing, you've done something wrong. Yak, what about you? Any good camp memories? Well, I went to Mosheva for one summer, Mosheva up in Wild Rose, Wisconsin, and I got in trouble very publicly. And I had to, at some point during dinner, as my punishment, kneel in front of the Rosh Mosh and give him what he said right. was a hundred compliments in one minute. And I'm that a, is crazy, super weird. Wow, it was those, super those weird. The, the guy, the guy actually um, was an interesting dude as a Rosh Mosh. He had a flair for the theatrical. He faked his own death in order to break out Color War. Which, a classic. Yeah, That's but I mean, like, like traumatizing by... <laughs> children to break out Color War at camp. I swear he did this by crashing a plane. Oh, and, I mean, he was a bit nutty. He eventually went on to become a successful editor for DC Comics. So he's, he's, he's interesting. So weird. And, um, but I had to give him 100 compliments in one minute, which is basically an impossible task. 
and I'm kneeling in front of him, looking up at him, and I'm saying stuff like, your hair is nice, you got great eyes, and he's saying, oh, you can do better than that, and I say, well, you got nice boogers up there, and the camp loses it. The entire camp starts laughing at him, and he is fuming, <laughs> and... He's, he's didn't looking go down at me. Right. How, why is he viewing? You're kneeling. You're a little kid he, kneeling in front of him. Just just to put this in context, he's abusing you right. in this moment. <laughs> right. So anyway, but I had the last laugh, and that's my best memory from camp. Yeah. What, what amazed me about the idea of camp is that I thought this is something you did as a child. And I think this segues into the story because the story takes place in like the New, Jer- New Jersey or New, New York type area. Okay, but when I was when I was I, I thought that was something you did like up to a certain point of high school or maybe like you become a counselor at a certain point. But you kind of stopped by the time you were 17, 18 years old. You got if you were working, you got a real job. Like, you may have waited tables, you might have delivered, you might have rent- vended at, like, a ballpark, something like that, or worked in some office somewhere. But then, when I went to Israel, and I'm talking to, like, everybody in my post-high school um, gap year when I was in a ye- yeshiva in Israel, all these, like, New York kids, they're like, yeah, I just came back from camp, and I can't wait to go back to camp. And I'm like, you're 19 years old! How are you <laughs> still going to camp? I think that's that's actually... A, a big part of this movie that I'm still unsure about is why are all these old people in camp? Well, and this wasn't a camp. I mean, we're kind of setting it up wrong. This was a resort in the Catskills. No, but so, it is a yeah, camp. So it's like a camp. So I was watching this with the wife and she, cause I was like, why, who would ever go to camp with their parents? And she's like, Oh no, this is like a thing. There's a family camp where people like go up for a week. Like go to camp shy. Yeah. For a week. I mean, my but, family yeah, never this, did this. This was a resort in the Caskills. It was but supposed all to be dancers a fancy spoke, place. How old were they supposed to be? How old were the dancers supposed They're to be? They're very old. <laughs> Patrick Swayze looked like he was like, what, 35? <laughs> There's this scene. There's this scene in the movie where, where she's like, they just had sex, and he's yeah. lying in bed, and she's lying in bed. He's like, you want to know something? And then, like, they say something, but I was like, and she's like, uh, and he's like, I'm 43 years old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was really thrown off by the age here. No, but sticking with camp for a second, it's, they actually get to this point later on in the movie where they, the old Max Kellerman or whatever his name is kind of like, he's like, oh, the kids don't want to do this anymore. They want to, they don't want to go out with their families anymore to the <laughs> camp for a week. And now they want to go on planes and travel around. And I was thinking, like, that's actually true. Like, kids don't want to spend their summers with their parents, and they are flying all over the place because, like, every NCSY camp is in a different country. Well, it's weird. This movie wanted to do a lot of things, and one of them was it wanted to be this nostalgic look at this very specific, very narrow experience, and it expected it to be universal. You know, it sets it up as one of these end-of-the-innocence-type eras. And, you know, who cares? This this kind of <laughs> culture existed for maybe 15 years. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on, so maybe we should get into it. Yeah, let's, why don't you go into the summary? Okay, so Dirty Dancing. This story is about Baby. She's, like, 18 years old, I hope, and she's going to camp up in the Catskills with her mom and her dad, played by Jerry Orbach, and her sister, Lisa. 
Camp is kind of lame and Baby wants to rebel, so she starts hanging with staff, including Johnny Castle, played by Patrick Swayze, who's like some sort of dancing entertainment guy. Johnny's dance partner, Penny, gets knocked up by a douchey waiter named Robbie, and she can't participate in an upcoming gig, so Baby steps in to take her place. The problem is that Baby doesn't really know how to salsa dance, so Johnny has to teach her. So he teaches her, and sometimes he wears a shirt, and sometimes he doesn't wear a shirt, and she kind of learns it, and the whole time you're like, they're going to bone. And then, eventually, like six hours into the movie, they do bone. Meanwhile, there's this whole abortion subplot with Penny that forces Baby into a rift with her dad. We also learn about Johnny's tragic background story. Because he's so sexy and so sensitive, every woman he ever meets wants to have sex with him, but without any strings attached. Anyways, they're like, uh-oh, we gotta wrap up this movie. So Johnny is accused of stealing a wallet and is about to lose his job, but Baby comes to the rescue. She tells everyone that she was having sex with Johnny all night long, so he couldn't possibly have had time to steal the wallet. But this gets Johnny fired anyways, because, you know, that's even more problematic. But then Johnny comes back at the end of the camp dance or some shit. I don't know. It, the point is that Johnny shows up to lead a dance at the end of camp. And he and Baby, they finally complete a lift, which I think is supposed to be exciting. But I was not excited at this point. I just wanted to go home and I was literally in my own den. But just to tie it all up neatly, Baby and her dad <laughs> reconcile and everyone lives happily ever after. So let's, I mean, let's jump into the characters. There's a bunch of Jewish characters here. Yes. Well, can we just talk about the setup first? I mean, did, did you find this whole thing really weird? You know, it, it's, it's all these upper crust Jews. And usually Jews are kind of portrayed as the outcasts. And here they're the wasps, really. Oh, they it's very are, waspy. They, they're the high society. But in the same vein, it never mentions the word Jew. The word Jew is not in the movie or Jewish. It's just kind of this coding that's going on by having characters every now and then. But drop it's so a bit obvious. It's not like a it's I mean, there's so many there are so many Jewish things in this movie that it doesn't need to be said that they're Jewish because every single person is Jewish. Why don't they actually get into the Judaism of it? Wouldn't that be more interesting? I don't like complaining about movies saying it should have done this. But this is a great example of a movie that actually could have been about something. It could have been about Jews and their anger at the Gentiles just a couple of decades after the Holocaust and are the ban against intermarriage and these problems that we have with the culture around us and why we had to create these enclaves of our own. But it wasn't about any of that in the end because they just decided to avoid that entirely. Or even or even more simply, it could have been a story about people at a Jewish camp, Jewish people, and the girl falling for the non-Jewish guy and being a little bit more deep and complex about the the ramifications of such a relationship. Well, that's the thing they never. But, I agree, but with they the don't actual, really. They don't really do that. They, See, that's the point where they could have said anything about Jewish. They just keep kind of keep saying the father doesn't like it, doesn't want her to be with this guy. It's very but sub. It's, it's very it's, subtext. They could just say what it is. So, so this cuts two ways, right? On the one hand, I don't mind that about the movie that it's clearly Jewish, but without like beating us over the head with, you know, 
you know, one of them putting on a keeper and saying Shema or something like that. Or, it, it has or, that a couple of times. Or having Lawrence like Olivier <laughs> tearing his shirt in Korea. That's what he could have done From for his daughter. From time to time, it really subverts our basic Jewish tropes and is a juvie just recognizably Jewish. The setting of a bunch of Jews at a camp in the Catskill Mountains is Jewish. But then other times it's so tropey. It, you know, it's okay that baby isn't religious and that her family's not religious. It's okay. But there's just, when it does get Jewish, when it gets openly Jewish, it's just purely in trope form. It, it is. It's never like, a, it's, it's never a, it's a rich, non-trope like Jewish here, moment. Here I, I guess my, my concern is that it, it just becomes a rich versus poor thing. And if that's the point, then why bother with all of the Jewish stuff? You know, why cast Jennifer Grey? And it, the movie really fetishized her nose. Yes. You know, oh my to, God. To that is the bluntly. only reason why she was cast for All this. right, let, let's talk about the movie. Because we got to talk about the characters. Wait, hold on. He just mentioned, like, a main thing. That's a, When I saw her, I'm like, really? That's why they cast her? I'm like, look at the nose. That's exactly why. Well, I mean, that's a thing that you can do. Barbara Streisand was enormously popular for 20 years, and this was right in the middle of that period. So, you know, why not go for something that's obvious, easy Jewish coding? But if you're not going to actually do anything with the Jewish coding, why code it? I hear you. And maybe Baby is a good example of that. Because on the one hand, it's always nice to see a Jewish character who's smart and caring and compassionate and self-deprecating, but not in like an annoying way and not overly altruistic or altruistic to a fault like, say, Rivka and the jazz singer. On the other hand, and Baby is all those things. On the other hand, the movie never lets us see anything particularly or specifically Jewish about her. There's no ritual. There's no theme. And that's fine. A Jewish character doesn't have to be davening. But if the movie is set in the 1960s and she's at a Jewish retreat, why don't we get to know anything about her Judaism? We don't even get the sense that she struggles with anything about her ethnicity um, or that her rebellion is uniquely religious at all. So why bother making her Jewish? I'll be honest. This movie had little appeal to me because I have a Y chromosome. So yes. it's just not. <laughs> yes. I understand why this movie was so, so popular with Jewish girls, because it is just this good old fashioned Shagitz fantasy, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and and yeah, OK, yay, you know, it's it's all about the dancing and the dancing is all a metaphor for sex. And then the sex is eventually some sort of metaphor for more sex. And that's all that's all there is to the movie. It's just not it's not a plot driven movie. She doesn't really grow much. This movie is a romance novel. That's what it is. Yeah, because so, this guy is so unrealistic. And and so like just like let's say fifty shades of gray, this is that back then. This is the same movie. It, it takes them so long. They're like on each other, but they're not going to kiss. All the men are like, just kiss already. <laughs> yeah, and all the women are like, no, don't kiss yet. That's what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's, it's Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a romance. I mean, that's what these movies are. They're just kind of wish fulfillment and bottled up 
tension. Uh, tension yeah, lots of tension there. It's just so let's let's move on to our let's move on. We've talked about baby. Let's move on to our next character, baby's dad, <laughs> Doctor Houseman, who's a doctor. Because he's Jewish. And everybody there is a doctor or a lawyer. Dr. Houseman kind of rocks. Jerry Orbach's pretty nice guy. He's kind of disappointed in his daughter. He takes care of the woman who is had an abortion and is you know on her deathbed after some crazy guy with a rusty knife did the work. And, like, I don't know. I, th- I think he's kind of a sympathetic character. Yeah, you just like him because it's Jerry Orbach. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I I thought he was fine. Um, But for a moment, they're trying to make him seem unreasonable about about what he thought about the whole situation. But I agree with David that everything that he thought made sense. No, that part part made sense. The the cop out is the ending where he's just kind of like, oh, it's okay. That's not how these things go. All it took was a good old dance. (laughs) That's not how it works. Well, but as... As you guys already said, this movie isn't about Jewish stuff at all, really. It's a juvie because it's got a lot of Jewish stuff in it. But that's not the focus. The focus is the romance and the romance novel aspect of this. And I think I should... I I do have to say, we can call it a romance novel, and I think that's 100% accurate in the genre. But this movie was a huge, mind-blowingly big success. I mean, it really was a an enormous moneymaker. It somehow won an Oscar for that Time of Your Life song. And yeah, and my parents, my dad said that they <laughs> saw the the play, Dirty Dancing, oh. had a theater release like two years later for Die Hards. I mean, this thing was a cultural to touchstone. It was really, really big in the 80s, but it's still regarded by a lot of people as a hugely influential and important and special movie wait a second i have to go back to something it's very special in 1987 this movie came out in 87 abba said that they saw this play like two years later that's 1989 they already had five kids (laughs) why were they seeing this movie (laughs) well it was just one of their mistakes (laughs) or as as Kami said we don't want to know the rest of this story (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Anything else about Baby's dad? No, it's just that he's Jerry Orbach, who, by the way, was a big song and dance guy on Broadway. And they, of course, put him in a movie where he, he gets, like, one shot at the end where he's dancing at all. And it's it's a real waste, because this is a really talented dude. I mean, he's he's Lenny Briscoe. He's the man. And he's, I don't know, just a non-entity in the movie. Other Jewish characters. The only really other couple of notable Jewish characters, before we get into groups of Jewish characters, are the the sister and the mom. And I feel like the sister is just like that classic whiny, younger sister, jealous type. Younger? Are we sure? Yeah, it's unclear. She's a little off. Yeah, I wasn't, off. Sure. I wasn't sure what their age range was either. And 
Lisa. The mother makes fun of starving children. The mother has like one line in the whole movie. And it's about starving children. Yeah, but actually she has some good lines. And she's played by Kelly Bishop, who's an amazing actress. And she's basically ignored by everybody. And it's such a shame because she's, you know, she's really kind of awesome. She's, She's Emily Gilmore. Okay, let's talk about Jewish boys in this movie. They're kind of the waiters in the camp or something, and they're all the perfect little shidduchs. You know, they're either going to Harvard or Yale and becoming doctors or lawyers. Uh, And when they're not doing that, they're, in Robbie's case, unapologetically trying to rape baby's sister or getting Penny pregnant and then abandoning her. Or in Neil's case, they're just creepy and controlling I guess what I'm trying to say here is not a great look for Jewish boys in this movie. Really not a not a good look for our guys. I mean, how do you guys feel about Robbie? Well, at least they at least they gave him a different reason for being a terrible person in that he read Anne Rand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so at least they tried and gave him a little bit of shading and a little bit of character in that he's terrible. But his terrible comes from a real place, a place of, but also of like, education. But every, every, every male, aside from Baby's dad, is portrayed as kind of like this misogynistic piece of trash. Like even like the older dad, even like the old guy who runs the camp in the beginning is like, listen, you got to treat everyone right. All the girls, even the dogs. I was like, oh, gross. Like, that's just what's wrong with this? It's just these are all the portrayal of the Jewish men in this movie are are just like they're obviously baby would want to go out with a non-Jewish man because he's sensitive and has giant pecs. And like the boys are like just gross. And like even Neil, who's not really like focused on the giant pecs. Dub, is that, oh, I was, was that, is I that was, what you were focused on? I was definitely focused on his boobs. <laughs> but but even Neil, who's like this weird nerdy Jewish guy, he's like the nerdy baby's, he's the guy that baby is supposed to be going out with. The son, that's the, the son. The son who runs the camp. He isn't is really so. Biggest, he's the biggest creep. He's such a creep. He's like creepy in his own way. It's not like he's, he's not like Robbie, who's like a, just should be in jail. He's got like this old kind of whole weird controlling vibe. Like, sorry, you had to see that. Well, listen, I mean, this was the 1960s, and it was the early 60s, and it wasn't a terribly progressive time, and it's altogether possible that this is just how a lot of people acted. Yeah, sure, Yak, it's how a lot of people acted, but they literally portray every Jewish boy of that age in one way, and they portray all the non-Jewish boys a completely different way. But that guy, Neil, he was was saying in that scene... Neither Johnny Castle nor the valet guy who's like carrying the watermelon is at all creepy they're all just like perfect they're 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 the perfect human beings they've got no flaws other than they're kind of dumb and they don't have jobs because they're from the other side of the tracks like that's their only flaw yeah and is that they're not privileged enough and then there's neil who says who says uh you know of course i got the the other girl you know she left this other guy for me because i said i got two hotels i was like oh god it's terrible Yeah, they're terrible people. I I don't know what to say. I think they're just terrible people because, as you said, they're supposed to contrast the Patrick Swayze character, and they the main heel of all of them read the Fountainhead. So it it doesn't bother me that much. It's just they're terrible people, and 
that's because the plot demands that whatever little plot there is is needs that it's it's crappy Yaakov, this could have been like you said this could have been rich and poor what in the world does the Jewish part have to do with anything here? No, I think it's for, well, it's for two reasons. One, it's because the writer was writing from her own experience, and that's what she knew. And the other is that it made it a little more interesting for those in the know. I agree 100% that it is a missed opportunity to actually talk about real Jewish issues. But, you know, it, it's, it's bad. It's not good. This is a bad movie. I, I will go out on a limb and say that. But is it is it anti-Semitic? I don't think so. I think it's just dumb. How many tropes did you find in this movie? There were so many. So we got my, my favorite. My favorite tropes in this movie. Or favorite Jewish trope. The horny old oh. Jewish lady. Yep. <laughs> She's back. <laughs> She's back. Miss, Mrs. Pressman. And listen, I do not mind Mrs. Pressman because this is a real thing, apparently. This is a real character of the, the woman who's, whose husband is not there and he's there out at camp and he's away. I don't know whether she you know, has, has affairs or not. I, I don't know. Um, but the concept is real. But she's, there's no purpose for her in this movie other than to say this is something that happens at camps. Like, you would think she's being set up as the bad guy. And she ultimately accuses Johnny of stealing a wallet. Right. But that storyline should have been that she was framing him. No, in fact, her wallet was stolen. Like, a wallet was stolen, and she's just kind of accusing him. Like, like another old couple did it. <laughs> that twist at the end was, was mind-blowing. It wasn't like she was, like, a bad person. Like, legit, her, her money was stolen, and she accused Johnny. Yeah, I really do wish, by the way, that this whole movie was just about the elderly Jewish con artists. That couple, <laughs> that would have been I really agree. so much more. That, that's the main problem with this movie is that it has this stuff on the periphery that's interesting. And every time they mention something like that, like some activity at the, the resort, I, I keep thinking, well, let's cut to that. Let's see what's going on there. I want to hear the rabbi's symposium on the psychology of insult comedians. That sounds a lot more interesting than whatever's going on here. We got the we got the dancing in the circle trope and all the old people dancing in the I beginning they're all dancing it. in a circle. But that's not like Havanagila. Oh, but I it, was it, I was hoping we get was some Havanagila. It was getting there. It was getting there. I was surprised. <laughs> Do you think that was the there. next song? It was for sure the next song. Um but there was I, I that was a trope. Um so this is a new trope, and the the girl going after the 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 non Jewish guy, the Jewish girl yeah. going after the non Jewish guy is the trope. That's another trope. Jewish. There was a shatel station. There was a shatel station. That was interesting. What was that? About? I thought that was the most realistic part of the movie. <laughs> I was like, this is the most Jewish thing. Is Why are they all trying on shatels? What is happening there? I think that was a thing. We're missing a lot because we don't have a woman on this podcast, and we also weren't alive in 1963. And by the way, you know what killed Kennedy? Patrick Swayze's acting. <laughs> this was two years before Roadhouse, so I think uh, I think he he took the he 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 was okay here compared to Roadhouse. Well, you know the all-time greatest Patrick Swayze line belongs to Leonard Malton, and in Leonard Malton's review of Ghost, he writes that yeah. um, Patrick Swayze. Here's the quote. 
Patrick Swayze runs the gamut of emotions from A to B. <laughs> That's great. Um, I mean, actually, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the 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 black gen- gentleman for a moment. Is this <laughs> is this a get out scenario? Because like he's he's tap dancing up there, and all the white people are clapping. I really this was this was totally get out. And then he starts speaking Yiddish at the end. I don't know. I like that they portrayed his relationship with the owner of the club as something sweet. You know, the the resort owner was was friends with him. It was it was sort of this lifelong professional relationship. That's one of the things I liked about this movie. That's the only thing I liked about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so was it was it the the time of your life? And Immediately after I finished this movie, I uh, I thought to myself, I had the <laughs> time of my life, and I owe it all to you, David, for making me watch this movie. I, I thought it was great. I mean, it's definitely a juvie. At first, I wasn't sure, but when I saw that Streit's matzo box in the in the uh, in the kitchen, and then I saw the and I heard them talk about the rabbi on the beach. I was like, yep, it's a juvie. It's definitely a juvie. Do you have a, a spinoff, sequel, or prequel to Dirty Dancing? Yeah. Mine is called Terrible Singing. It's about the story of Lisa's summer at camp that year. Because <laughs> what was she singing? What was that sister <laughs> singing? And why didn't anyone tell her no? Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't even that she was bad. She sounded like she was singing like a fire alarm song i don't know what it was it was horrible it was horrible it was horrible so mine is a movie where uh newman (laughs) his pants and it's called dirty (laughs) pantsing wouldn't that be great i did not see that coming oh there you go Jacob, you got something? I wanted to see Jennifer Grey. Nowadays, you know, 30 years later, she could be playing um, an older version of herself, and she's down on her luck, and she becomes a choreographer for Mordechai Ben David. And uh, it could be juvie dancing. And Patrick Swayze can come back as his character of the ghost, because he's dead. (laughs) It's not not right. (laughs) And I want her also to be a grandmother, so somebody can say, nobody puts Bubby in the corner. Oh, okay. Well, would you, rec- what, would you recommend this movie? Well, let's say, what's I, the, uh, what is the, the rating this week? Uh, watermelons? How many watermelons she carries? Or? That's, no. not, that's not quite a what's, Jewish what's thing. Jewish, There's though. plenty of Jewish things in this how many, camp. How many wigs on the beach would you give this movie? All right. Shatels? Shatels How many shatels on the beach would you give this movie? Oh, out of out of five, let's say. Sure. Okay. Five, five shatels. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> give this. I'm gonna give this two. I think it really comes down to uh, me being a man, and just not enjoying any of the romance, romance or anything. And besides, the, the Jewishness is not necessary. There are some good scenes here and there. S- so yeah, I'm gonna give it two shatels. I will I'll give it two for a different reason. 
So I don't think this movie, if you're a woman, is a good movie. Like, Kami watched this movie with me for the first time and was like, this movie's dumb. <laughs> like, she was not into it. Like, she's like, she's like, maybe if I was 13 and I saw this movie, yes. And maybe it has nostalgic value. So I would assume that if you grew up with this movie and you're like a Jewish girl who goes to camp, yeah, maybe you like this movie more than your typical Jewish boy. But otherwise, I don't think, like, uh, most people who are seeing this movie for the first time, especially in adulthood, would be like, this is a good movie, maybe a couple of good scenes. The reason I'm willing to give it anything, and the plot is hella dumb. It's <laughs> so dumb. The stakes are so dumb. Do you remember when Everything, he broke the window is, to his car? We forgot to talk about it's that. It's like the big climax comes like, it, it comes out of nowhere. He steals a wallet. It's so dumb. Like the it, it's, and it's stupid. Just, and it's a dance scene. It, and camp. like it ends with a dance. It's it's in dumb. a camp. But there's nothing that but happens. There's one thing I liked about this juvie in that they gave it the Jewish setting, and it's not the Jewish setting itself is not so heavy handed. And I like the subtlety to it. I don't mind that. The characters though are problematic, and and they don't really do anything with the setting, and so. It doesn't, as a juvie, you know, one, two shatels, maybe. As a movie, I'd probably give it less. <laughs> yeah, I'll think? give it one shatel, and it's just what you guys said. This movie is just a big wasted opportunity. I didn't enjoy it. It was laughable sometimes. I'll give it one shatel just because every now and then there was a line that made me laugh, such as when Kel- Kelly Bishop told Jennifer Grey to stand up straight just in the middle of a scene. That kind of made me laugh, and that's it. Otherwise, It kind of feels nothing. like Kelly, Kelly Bishop didn't actually get any lines, and she had to improvise it. Yeah, she had to write her own stuff. All right, well, this has been, um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this it's movie always, was a blast. It's always fun talking to you guys. For the juvies... I'm David. I'm David. I'm Yaakov. We'll talk again next time.